Hey everyone, welcome to another week of Scale Up and a topic today that I think is going to be incredibly popular for lots of reasons, but the most important one is that it's how to make more money in your business and what business owner, founder, entrepreneur doesn't want to do that. So this will be quick. It's going to go into a number of different things to consider. Some of these are the basics and the fundamentals. But as I often say, you've got to master the fundamentals if you want to scale your business to a certain level before you can do some of the really clever, interesting things like acquisitions. It's got to come from a solid base. So I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about an episode I did probably a couple of years ago now, inspired by one of my mentors, Jay Abraham. And he said that the three pillars of revenue are get more customers, do repeat business with those same customers, or sell higher ticket, higher price products to those customers to obviously increase your revenue. I like that. I love all that. It's very simplistic. And to be frank, most of us as business owners can get that. But I think if you want to make more money in your business today, uh, in, the, in a market that is a bit more complex, there's lots going on. We've got, as I record this, you know, lots of fear and doom about inflation and recessions and all that sort of stuff. There are a few other strategies and tactics that you need to be aware of and, dare I say, master so that you have all the tools, all the ammunition you need to be successful. You know, as I've said many a time on the show, cash is king in business, right? You've got to be making money you know, and money is profit. It's not just revenue, but you've got to be making profit and that can be invested back to grow your business. It's also the income that you're going to take out. It's also the value that you're building in your business if you want to exit that business over time. So I'm going to go through seven very, very quick strategies uh, with a, a bit of a perspective on each of them so that one or two of them may resonate. Most of them you might have heard of, but not have done. Some of them you might not have heard of. Okay. It might be the first time that you want to put some of those into place. So obviously, the, the first strategy, the first thing you've got to do if you want to make more money in your business, which absolutely aligns with what Jay said, is you've got to get more customers. It's not so much about the theory behind that. That's pretty clear, but it's how you go and get them that is important. Okay, so a lot of people think that you have to go out there and just spend a lot of uh, money on advertising and things like that. And a lot of businesses, when they scale the principle is that you need to do that through ads. One of my big beliefs, though, is you know you can also get more customers through network and referral, and that actually is more scalable than you think. Okay, particularly if you are a business which is selling a premium product or service, sometimes the only way to reach a premium type of client or customer is through established networks, right? Because you know a lot of these these bigger entities, these bigger businesses, don't have time just to be looking at ads. Okay. So, you know, you've got to have a well-rounded strategy. But for me, more customers is not just about leads. It's about your ability to position an offer that is relevant, that solves a problem and be able to convert. Okay, so very, very basic one. More customers is going to make you more money. Second one is price and specifically increasing price. Now, price, in my opinion, has value above and beyond the transaction. Okay, so think of it this way. Sometimes you can use price as a strategic driver. What I mean by that is if you are going after a certain type of client or customer and your pricing is too cheap, right? Because pricing 
quite often is set emotionally, but it is actually really strategic in its entity, then you can actually put off your ideal client. Now, this happened to me recently, well, quite recently. Now, one of my services, I work one-to-one with founders who are looking to exit their business within the next 36 months. And the price that I charge for that, the fee for me to be involved as a retained advisor, if you like, is you know is what I think a, a a reasonable fee for the value that I provide, but it certainly isn't cheap. Now I missed out on a piece of business recently, a very very big potential client, um, a, a business doing in the hundreds of millions of dollars, because my pricing was too cheap or perceived to be too cheap for what they expected the value was in return for what I was offering. Now here's the thing. They were right, actually. They were right. My pricing, my fee structure was designed for really sort of like an eight-figure business owner, not someone as big as this. And I, I didn't sort of join the dots. And I'm quite happy to be vulnerable here with you today around that because I don't get it right all the time. I'm testing things out. But remember, sometimes the perception of price is important in terms of what your client expects. But a lot of us set price emotionally, just to go back to that point, which means that we don't value what we do enough. We're worried that people aren't going to pay you know, what we think it could be, so we set it low. That obviously means that you're making less money in your business. And quite frankly, what you've got to do is look at what we call value-based pricing, which is if the value that your service, your product is going to give to your ideal customer is, is higher than the cost that they're prepared to pay, then you've got to set your price accordingly. And quite often, most people don't understand that and therefore they set their pricing too low and they are leaving money on the table. Okay, simple. The third one, and I'm going to sort of join a little, join the dots a little bit back with Jay here, is what we call increasing frequency of purchase. Now, in my, in my years of magazines, I used to work in the media industry, one of the things that drove you know, value, income, revenue for the, for the business was absolutely the idea of someone going and buying a magazine or a newspaper daily or weekly or monthly, whatever the, the, the circulation was, was of that particular publication. And the more that we could increase that frequency of purchase, the more money we made, right? So if you think about it, a weekly uh, magazine will come out four times in a month. If someone buys it once a month, then there's a certain amount of revenue you get. But if you can get that person to buy it not one time a month, but three times a month, then how much more money are you going to make? Okay, you've literally increased that significantly by percentage by doing that. Okay, so that's frequency of purchase. So it's the same customer, same product or service, you're just getting them to buy more. Okay, and you can think of different strategies of how to do that, but that is going to make you more money. And quite often, it's a most efficient way of doing it because, you know, it's more about the marketing and the promotion around what you're doing as opposed to creating something new. You're not going out there trying to get a new customer. You're not going out there trying to build or create a new product or service. Okay. So that's the third one. Fourth one, okay, in terms of how can you make more money, remember I said it's about profit and cash flow, not necessarily revenue, is you can reduce cost. You can reduce cost to serve. You can use technology in your business to automate things, okay? If there is stuff going on that is manual right now but could be delivered in a different way, right, a way that is more efficient, particularly in the environment we're in now, right now, you've got to look at that. Okay. One of the things that came up with a client this week was, you know, should I make it that people have to come into the office again now that we're sort of coming out of COVID? And my view was, well, do you need to? Do you need to have that cost? You know, it's not just the cost to you of having the office. It's also the cost of, you know, for them, you know, driving, parking, whatever that looks like. 
Plus, the other thing is, if you want to grow your business and have the highest level of capability, is it a limiting factor to, to be able to only fish within a pool that has the ability to get to where your location is? You know, if you can open that up and say, you know what, I don't need those people in the office. They can work from anywhere in the UK or the US, wherever you're listening to this, then you've just increased the pool of capability exponentially. So reducing costs can also be a driver of value, not just in terms of the, the, the profit or the revenue or those sort of things. The efficiency can actually make your business more impactful and more powerful as well. Okay, so let's keep going through. Now I want to get into the ones that get a little bit confused. So those first four are what I call absolute basic principles. You've got to at least understand them and have tried them out or put them into your business. As we get into these last three, I want to talk about how they work. And this is where things like partnerships and joint ventures become crucial in what you're trying to do. So the fifth one is upselling, upselling. So what is upselling? Let's define it so people can understand it. It's actually selling the same thing that you do, right? You are selling the same product or service, but you are delivering it in a different way. And I often define that as providing a more valuable experience. Okay, so I might be able to go to a, let's say I go to a cafe and I might be able to have the same meal, but I have it as takeaway, or I could have that meal in the restaurant. Now, the restaurant is going to charge more for me being there. I've got, you know, the waiters and all those sort of things. That for me is an example of an upsell. It's the same, it's the same product, same service, right? Well, d- different service in terms of how I'm having it, but it's the same product in this example. Um, but I'm just experiencing that product in a different way. Okay, so if you think about it, and I'll give the example of how I do things here, like I have a methodology called scale to sale. It's all about obviously scaling your business to a high value exit. You can learn that by yourself. You know, I've got a book coming out soon, which is going to be all about that topic. You can read the book and try and implement it. That's at one end, right? At the, at the very upper end is where I'm working one-to-one on the board of a business. And they have me effectively still teaching the same methodology, but I'm, I'm there and I'm present. I'm overseeing it. So you could argue the content's the same, but the way that they're experiencing that content is different. So it's an upsell. It's a more premium service, premium offer versus just the basic. Okay. Now you can do that. Think about that. It can work in any business. It doesn't have to be a service-based business. It can be a product. There are different ways of packaging the same thing so that you can charge a higher price, potentially a higher margin, and obviously make more money. The sixth one is the cross-sell. And the reason I love the cross-sell is this is where you can start to bring in partnerships and joint ventures. And these are absolutely up there as what I call advanced scale strategies. So acquisitions is an advanced scale strategy. JVs and partnerships are as well. A lot of business owners are so insular in their thinking, they think that they have to create everything themselves, they have to create new products and services. They forget the fact that they can actually go out there and get an adjacent product or service that fits in a complementary way with what you're offering, what they're offering, and then they can bring that together and package that up and sell that to the market, to their ideal customer. So, you know, plenty of examples of this, like, you know, for, you know, if you're going to buy a car, uh, you'll find that there are services that are adjacent to that. So for example, if I've got a car, I need servicing. Okay. So I'm cross-selling the car with the other things that I need. Um, You know, in my world, I obviously help people exit, but at the same time, I need to work in collaboration with lawyers with um, CFOs, you know, you know, people in the finance game. I've got to work with brokers, investment bankers, corporate finance, 
So there's a way that I could package up what I do, which is exit strategy and advisory with an investment banker. Like, you know, I'm not going to sell the company, but I can do all the value build beforehand, but I can absolutely work with someone who's going to take that business to market. Okay. And that can be a cross sell, right? Because I'm, I'm going to take a bit of margin from that potentially. Um, whoever I'm partnering with is going to do that, but we can also combine forces and reduce the overall price for our clients. So they get value from it as well. But ultimately I'm making more money in my business because I'm using other products and services via partnership to do that. Now there are other examples of cross sell, but that's how I like to look at it. Okay. The final one, which doesn't get talked about quite a lot is the down sell, the down sell. Now, what is the down sell? You have, or you should have, most most businesses that break through the seven-figure mark have an ideal client, ideal customer. They've worked out what to sell to that ideal client, customer. They're making money. They're you know, obviously making profit. They're driving revenue, those sort of things. But quite often, if you're in the game a little bit like what I do, where I've got an audience, you know, let's say, for example, using social media and content, and you're attracting a broad range of potential people who like what you're talking about and they can see value. So, you know, again, this episode, there are things here which are absolutely applicable to any business size. You could be starting out, you could have a five or six figure business. The clients I tend to work with are seven and eight figures predominantly. But you might hear this and you might go, you know what, that's really interesting, Nick. You know, how can you help me? Now, my stuff is is a little bit more advanced and I can help you when you get to that level but I'm not really the best person to help a lot of people at the early stage of their business. But you're coming to me, right? I have your information. You know, you're starting to trust what I'm talking about. A downsell in that situation would be for me to recommend or refer someone that can help you from my network. And because I've referred them, I might make a commission on that. You know, I might find there's a number of really good business coaches that I know, for example, who offer more basic uh, strategies for people at different stages, and I could partner with them, and I could offer you know literally leads that come into me to them, and as I said, I could monetize that and make more money in my business. The other way that I can do it is I might have a core offer that's advisory, or you know I'm actually working you know like with a potential client, but if someone just wants to come in and be part of a bigger group to learn the methodology, but they they're not ready for the one to one. I could have a group program, like you know, like a, a group coaching program, if you want to call it that, where they could learn the stuff they need to, implement it to they, so they get a certain level of success. But it's not my core offer; it's not the core thing that I sell, you know, and I focus on. But I'm still monetizing um, the people that I'm getting in, and at the same time, I'm serving them because they're still going to get value, maybe in a more accessible way than than the other things that I potentially can offer and therefore charge for. Okay, so. I've gone through seven things there. The first four, as I said, were quite basic. The last three, you're starting to get into the complexities and definitions of joint ventures and partnerships. But if you want to scale certainly into eight figures, you have to understand partnerships. You have to understand joint ventures. So let me summarize. We kicked off by talking about my mentor, Jay. He talks about more customers, repeat business with customers, and then selling higher ticket products or services to those customers to increase revenue, potentially to increase profit. I've taken that a little bit further today and just gone a bit deeper down the rabbit hole. So I said, I kicked off more customers. Absolutely. That's one way of making more money in your business. We then talked about increasing price, but using price strategically, not emotionally. Most people don't charge enough for the value they provide. Then we talked about reducing cost and different ways of reducing cost to drive profit. But we also said there are multiple benefits 
around reducing costs that are not just about making more money can actually make your um, employees maybe happier, right? <laughs> if they don't have to drive to work every day. Then we talked about increasing frequency of purchase and how can you do that? Because it's one of the most easiest ways of driving uh, money into your business because you're not creating anything new. You're just creating an incentive, a promotion for that client of yours to be able to buy what you're doing more, okay? Then we talked about upselling, cross-selling, and downselling, the different definitions. My definitions might be a little bit more unique versus others, but the principle remains the same. You know, as you start to grow and scale, you've got to leverage and leverage is all about thinking more broadly about the core solution that you provide that solves a problem, then the next problem that comes from you solving the original problem. Now, I'm going to say that again. Once you solve your ideal client's problem with your solution, you need to be thinking about the next problem, right, that comes once that initial problem is solved, okay? And quite often, that doesn't have to be something you create, but it could be something that someone else has. And when I work with clients on acquisitions, we often look at that, you know, the opportunity through that lens, because if you've got a competitor that's selling a product that's really, really cool, fits perfectly with what you're doing, if you could bring those together in some way, merge the companies, you know, maybe the idea of, you know, your products combined selling to the same customer base at scale will be a more valuable business over time. Okay, just food for thought. So there we have it. Hope you enjoyed that today. Um, Take away what you will, but promise me you will action something. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, Click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.